You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Hi, welcome to episode 68 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Mary, and I'm here with my co-host, Jamie. Hey, Mary. How are you today? Hanging in there. How about you? <laughs> I'm still recovering from my weekend. I, I know you're going to be jealous when I tell you what I did. What did you do? I participated in an all-day Beyblade tournament with my two boys. I cannot be jealous because I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what they were either. <laughs> it's so fascinating. Kids' toys are so interesting, aren't they? Like what kids get into. Oh, so Beyblades are these little tiny spinning tops that essentially somehow you spin them and they battle each other. It comes from, I believe, some kind of, I don't know if it's Japanese cartoon. It's definitely from a cartoon. It looks like Pokemon. They have, the tops have names. They have spirits, as I've been chastised by my older son, that they are not powers, They are spirits. Yeah. So basically a friend of mine, because as many of you know, we live, most of us around here live in apartment buildings. So she has a community room in her building. She rented the community room and about 10 boys piled into it with a lot of snacks, some juice and many, many Beyblades. And thankfully my amazing friend brought a lot of wine. So there was wine (laughs) and Beyblades and the wine was for us in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> and um, we spent hours and hours Beyblading. So I guess I should be excited that there is a toy that will make my children interested in something for a few hours. But it was it was a uh, it was quite the experience. And so if there wasn't you... wine, it oh, would have been a drop off. <laughs> I would have been out. No, I could not have stayed. So I bet you your weekend was better than mine. <laughs> um, no. Oh no. <laughs> Both of my girls were sick. So they are recovering today. Yes, it was quite the weekend. I'm super excited for January to be over <laughs> and maybe for all winter to be over. I mean, it's been a while now, right? I feel like, like right after the holidays, it's like, where is spring? It's like negative 10 degrees here. I'm exaggerating, but it's really, really. I, I walked out of my apartment this morning and I felt like a wall of cold just seeped inside my bones. It's cold. Yeah. It's and freezing here. All we do is go outside and get sick and come back inside. <laughs> and complain about how cold it is. <laughs> yeah. And then wonder why we don't live somewhere else, but we don't move. 
every day. Because you know what happens? In like May, the most beautiful New York day will happen. Everyone will walk outside. We will like smell the air. We will be like, this is why we live in New York. And it happens twice a year. And somehow we have this memory that this is what it's like to live in New York. When in reality, it's either negative 10 or 150. And it smells like... (laughs) Words I shouldn't Terrible. say on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, horrible. Yeah. So let's talk about other yeah. like, scary things, which is what today's episode is about. I'm a little nervous, yeah. Mary. Don't be nervous. I'll take you through it. It's going to be awesome. So we're going to talk about change. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love we're going to talk about change. We're going to dive into your business. You're going to enlighten us with some of your experiences, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Are you ready? <sighs> I think so. I, I'm actually, I'm excited to talk about this because one of the more common questions I get when people come to me with partnerships is what happens when a partnership dissolves? And that question is, it's different for everybody, but if you plan correctly, it can actually be way less painless than you think it's going to be. But that does take a lot of planning on the front end in order to make sure that when a partnership does dissolve, it there isn't a long drawn out battle. So we'll use me as a case study. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Thank you for being our case study and being willing to talk about it. And see now when someone asks you that, you can point them to this episode because look, (laughs) you're talking about it. I don't need to talk about it ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let's get started. All right. I'm ready. Question one. No, I don't want you to feel like you're at an interrogation. (laughs) (laughs) Just started in a conversation. Yeah, no, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Question one. <laughs> I meant it as a joke. That's okay. <laughs> Don's going to fix all of it. All right. So first, I want to ground everybody in what's been going on. So can you tell us a little bit about the change you recently went through? Just give us a high-level summary, and then we're going to dig down into some of the details. Absolutely. So many people who are listening may know that I previously was a partner and founder of two different businesses. One is Hashtag Legal, which is my law firm, and the other was Businesses, which was the, the previous name of this podcast. And about, I'd say... Two months ago, give or take, my old partner, Danielle, came to me and she told me and we decided mutually that we were going to dissolve the businesses and that I was going to take over Hashtag Legal and she was going to take over the other business. That was sort of a moment of, oh my goodness, when we actually decided that this was going to happen of, whoa, what happens next? Okay, excellent. With change, there's so many different parts of change. So I want to tackle a couple different things. There's the emotional aspect of how people work through change, how it impacts them and how they come out the other side. And then also the practical steps to get you there to get you to your next stage. So let's start with the emotional part. So what were you feeling when this all happened? And take us through a little bit of how you got to where you are now. So I want to start with the fact that Danielle and I did this in the most amicable and kind way possible. Thankfully, there was no animosity or anything like that. But I will say that there were a lot of like a whole laundry list of emotions that I went through. The first one was fear. No question. How am I going to do this? How is this ever going to happen? You feel this like overwhelming mountain of things that have to be done. Um, and you're like, how can I ever do this? You know, I, I had been in business for the last four years with another person who is 
half of my business and now all of a sudden it's just me. So there was a lot of fear. There was a little bit of anger, if I'm being honest. There was kind of this moment of like, what is happening? How did this happen? Why are we here? All this stuff. But I sort of let that one go pretty quickly because there was no reason for it. Um, at the end of the day, it was the right move for both of us. It was I was really excited for her to pursue her other opportunities. And frankly, once I sort of got over that, I was able to realize like, I was really excited. I think it was the majority of the emotion was sort of a combination of fear and excitement because this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. This is something that like enables me to do whatever I want with hashtag legal. I feel like those were the two primary emotions. And I would literally go back and forth between them at like a minute's notice. (laughs) Oh my God, how am I ever going to do this? And wow, how exciting. I can't (laughs) believe I get to do this. It's like two sides of the same coin. (laughs) Totally normal. If you didn't have so many emotions, I would say, Jamie, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and there was even a little bit of sadness, like, man, you know, I had spent the last four years of with the same person, like sort of going through the same things. And then all of a sudden I'm like, it was a loss. And so I had all of those emotions sort of wrapped up in one, but I'd say the two primary were definitely fear and excitement. (laughs) And in terms of overwhelming, because I think a lot of people can get a little paralyzed when something like this happens, a big change, and you're kind of you're both moving on so quickly and in such an organized way. So let's talk a little bit about what was the most overwhelming thing that you had to work through? It was the day-to-day operations, for sure. It was me sitting down, um, because that wasn't really my primary role. um, And I had a a handle on it, but I will admit, not a good enough handle um, on how the day-to-day was happening. So there was information I just didn't have because another person had it and handled it. And so for me, it was knowing the universe of all the information that went into running this company. And then the other thing is the the conversations I had to have with the staff, you know, making sure that they weren't scared that something was going to go wrong or that they were on board to stay with me because I was going to be relying on them a lot more and their roles were going to change and expand. And so that was sort of the other very overwhelming and scary conversation I needed to have because if any of my staff had come back to me and been and said, no, we can't help you with this, I it would have been a very different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, not only going through change for yourself, but when you have employees and other people going through change, wow. Yeah. It's a it's a lot. Yeah. So not only am I trying to manage my emotions about the whole thing, but their emotions, because you know, this is their livelihood and they rely on me to be paid. And right. so when all of a sudden you go from two people that you're relying on to just one, you know, that's, that's a lot of faith they've put in me. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, that's great. Because if you go and you tell them, if they see your fear and that the world is ending yeah. or something, then everyone's going to say, it's time to jump ship. You it's know? true. It really forces you to look at leadership and what it means to be a leader and what it means to know how to communicate in a way where you're being honest, because I didn't sugarcoat anything. I let them know what was going on from the minute I found out, they found out, but also let them know that, yeah, I've got this. You know, there's going to be some hiccups. It's going to be hard. (laughs) There's going to be moments where you're going to be like, do you have this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it, it was, um, that was, I, I actually was really, I was scared by that, but it was actually pretty exciting when I sat down and thought about like, who do I want to be as someone who leads other people and what kind of message do I want to give? And also just not only that, I'm in a service business to our clients as well. That was the other overwhelming part. So 
let's talk a little bit about how you were able to even execute against that. What kinds of things did, did the two of you have in place in terms of an agreement so that you could say, hey, okay, this partnership is dissolving. This is how we go about it. Thank God for partnership agreements is all I'll say. Like any, I mean, this is a drum that I beat regularly in my practice when I speak any of it. But when you have a partner, you need to have a partnership agreement and it should really lay out every worst case scenario. So it should lay out what happens if you want to dissolve the partnership as in like the company just goes away. What happens if somebody wants to leave? What happens to not only, you know, how do you evaluate, um, how do you, sorry, how do you value the uh, person who's leaving's membership interest, but what happens when it's a service business like mine or what happens to the intellectual property, the name, the website, you know, the goodwill from clients, like uh, valuing that is challenging. So having that set up ahead of time that you've, when you're in, you know, in a space to want to agree makes things so much easier on the back end for sure. I'm trying, I'm, I'm now thinking about how overwhelming that must be for so many other people that if they don't have that in place, it happens a lot. The things that people yeah. fight over. I mean, one of the reasons I honestly wanted to do this podcast episode is because a part of my practice is partners dissolving. Because the fact is, almost all partnerships at some point will dissolve. They'll go away, whether the business shuts down or a partner wants to leave, or it'll change where maybe you were 50-50 and then maybe somebody's 75-25 or something. It, the the odds of a partnership lasting, say, the entire length of your career are really, really small. And so I wanted people to benefit from my experiences because I do deal with it a lot in my practice and I can talk about what I I see happen to other people, both the good and the bad. But what I can now talk about <laughs> is how I felt during the whole thing um, and how I handled it practically. Yeah, super scary. And I mean, and the amount of overwhelm, I feel like people have overwhelmed so much already with stuff in their business and then put something like this and it could take them, you know, over the edge. If they do have a partnership agreement, how often should they check in on that? Do you recommend that? I do actually. We, in fact, I I just had this happen with a client who came back to us, and their partnership agreement had been live since 2011, and they were like, you know, the business is just different. So I think every couple years, it's smart to check in on your partnership agreement, make sure that you guys are on the same page, make sure the business looks the same because businesses change. I mean, we're all about change, right? So even yep. even like the way a business looked three or four years ago. Is completely different. I mean, how hashtag legal looked three or four years ago is completely different than how it looks right now. So notwithstanding the partnership change, just the business itself. So it's important every couple of years to sort of sit down. I think, frankly, not necessarily with an attorney, but with your partner, you should do at least, you know, quarterly check-ins. Like, are we on the same page? Are we, you know, other than your day-to-day, -day, but really big picture planning is really important. And once a year, the two of you could sit down with your agreement and just make sure you feel on board with it. It wouldn't take that long. And you don't even necessarily need to have a lawyer do it unless you want to make changes to it. You talked before about determining the value and the assets and kind of looking through all that information. How do you actually go about doing that? So you could do it in a couple of different ways. Some people will just do it themselves where they'll take a look at the books and they'll come up with a number that they think is fair and they'll talk it over and negotiate it with their partner. Other people will actually use an outside expert 
who can come in and will value the books of a business. Um, they'll base it on a number of different factors and a number of partnership agreements. If the partners can't agree internally on a value for a membership interest, they'll go to an outside neutral third party and that outside neutral third party, their valuation will likely be binding um, unless there's things in place. So to, to say that they're not. So that's what a lot of people end up doing. If they're not able to agree to it themselves, then they'll just go out and get that third party. It can be expensive though. So there is an incentive to sort of have a really good understanding of your books, of what the value is, what the value is to you, and to try to come up with that agreement amongst yourselves if you can. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And then having to go and ask someone else, I'm sure it's... It's expensive. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. To get it done right, sure. Right. Which at that point, you do kind of need to get it done right. Yeah, you know, Yeah. And if, listen, if you have a large enough business and the value of your business is that high, you just may want to do that anyway, because it'll be worth it. But for a business that's, you know, making a few hundred thousand a year, that may not be worth it. And so you have to evaluate that as well. What do you think were the top reasons? I mean, you mentioned already having the the agreement in place, but what were the top reasons that allowed you guys to come to a resolution so quickly? Are there any other factors? Yeah, we were really respectful of each other. We really did. We didn't make it personal. Like when we sat down and talked about what each of us needed, we respected that. And that made all the difference in the world. There was no, you know, I was angry in the beginning, but I let it go really, really fast. Because at the end of the day, when I sat down objectively and I looked at it, I thought, yeah, this is the right move. And so I did not let any negative emotion cloud my judgment. I really looked at it from a business perspective and I really took the emotion out of it. And I think that was, I didn't let myself, even though I was afraid, I didn't let fear drive my decisions. And so I was sort of able to call on the people like you (laughs) and, you know, vent or be scared and then step away from that and say, okay, this is this is a smart business decision because there really, there shouldn't be any emotion in those decisions. And I think that is really the respect, honesty. Honesty is key. You can't hide the ball. You can't lie that because, you know, that just ends up hurting you. You just have to lay your cards on the table and doing that, I think, makes a huge difference. That's really important. I think for anyone going through changes, most of the time, and what I see is that people, they let the emotions like take over everything. And obviously feeling emotions is good and you're supposed to do that, but they let it take over for too long or they just never come out of that feeling and then they get dragged by their emotions instead of doing the practical things like you did. Well, I always channel our producer, Don, actually, who always says you get 24 hours. He's like, you can be mad, sad, whatever you want to feel, but then you're done. And he always says, time to get to work. (laughs) So it echoes in my head and I give myself that you got to give yourself the 24 hours. You got to be mad. You got to be sad. You got to do whatever it is you need to do to get through that emotion because you're right. Ignoring it, that will, it'll creep back up on you. So you got to acknowledge it. You got to talk about it. You got to be open about it. And then you got to move on. We just won't tell Don that. Never. You you think Don, cover your ears. I did not just give you a large compliment. No, she didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're past the 24-hour period. Then what do you do? So at that point is when I really started to reach out to people and to figure out what were my next steps? Like, what do I need to do now that I've moved on? And I'm like, this is the decision has been made. This is what's going to happen. What do we need? We got to get to work. A big part of that is, you know, collecting information. And what information did I need? Music to my ears. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Data. 
Can can we put some like romantic music in the background, <laughs> like on Instagram what? stories when you like super zoom and it's the hearts? Yes, I think we need a. I think we need a super zoom and hearts and the word data. <laughs> <laughs> and now everyone's turning off the podcast. <laughs> Stay with us. Data is sexy. Okay, data's actually, what saved my business? It 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 is. There you go. Yeah, no, data is everything. It is super important. Oh, great! I'm not just I'm not just saying this. I've I've made an impact. <laughs> my my work is done. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm out. Huge. That's huge. Data is. So yeah, I, honestly, I didn't even I didn't even know how much I needed data. But Mary was what honestly one of the first people that I called, uh, and that was I. <laughs> She, she whipped out that spreadsheet. I've never seen anything like it in my life. But when I started looking at it, I was like, oh my God, this is gold. Like it was things I didn't even know I should know in my business. And so, I mean, that's not my strength, right? Like uh, there's things I'm really good at in my business. Uh, data was not one of them. I'm, I'm better at it now, thanks to Mary, but this is truly what Mary does. And so she knew exactly the things I needed to be looking at in order to know how to plan for the for the next year and and how to run this business by myself. Thanks, Jamie. The the data is really, it's key, I think, to anything that you're going to approach when you're going through any kind of change. I'm happy that you were open and receptive <laughs> to talking psyched. about data. <laughs> I was like, yes, data. <laughs> because I know it it has such a boring, it won't be boring anymore because we're going to do the Zoom and the hearts. But <laughs> It's actually not boring. It's exciting because you start to see how you're successful. You're like, holy cow, this, these numbers are amazing. It's not boring. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. It really shows you, you're like, this is where I'm strong. This is where I'm not as strong. This is where I can improve. It's not just like plucking things out of the air. It's truly proof. I my, just did a commercial for Mary. <laughs> my daughters didn't get you sick, did they? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, that's how I felt as a business owner. Really? No, that's great. That's great. That's music to my ears. It is because I, I think it's really important. I think that practical step of figuring out, uh, looking at what's going on. So I do a lot of work in change management, like, you know, and even the whole brain thinking models, and you really have to look at all the different aspects and data is a key aspect in order to change and go to wherever you want to go next. You have to know what is going on right now, right? And what information do I need to go to that next step? So that's a little bit of what we did with you. Yes. In terms of your spreadsheet and your data, what did you find the most interesting or helpful? from what we went through. So for me, as a service-based business owner, the thing that I'm most interested in is leads. How do my clients come to me? Where do they come from? How am I converting those leads? And then once someone's converted, how often are they coming back? And how are they coming back? And in what capacity? And so that was incredibly important. And to dig deeper into that, my whole hashtag legal right now is completely referral-based. So it's either people who meet me because I'm speaking at a conference or I'm on a podcast or do a webinar or somebody who knows me and refers me. Because of that, I needed to have a really good understanding of where what conferences I'm traveling to. What am I getting from each of those conferences? What are the benefits of each conference? Because sometimes money is spent. And so I have to evaluate my marketing budget, you know, what what made the most sense. And so I had a gut feeling about it. Like I sort of knew just from my instinct, but having data behind it, some of it was really surprising, particularly like repeat business, where the business was coming from, 
um, I was definitely surprised by some of those metrics that I saw. And it was it was really empowering and exciting. That for me actually was the boost that I needed because it gave me the confidence to be like, yeah, you can totally do this. Like you've got this, the numbers back you up. And so that made me feel really good. And it also showed me some of the places where I probably wasn't spending the best money or some places there were holes and I needed to spend a little bit of money. It made me feel like I had control over a process that felt a little out of control at times. The balance to the emotions. Exactly. So I feel like you need to tell, I mean, that was me specific as a service-based professional, but I feel like you need to give a little bit of knowledge right now, Mary, and tell people what are some of the metrics they should be looking at in their businesses. Putting me on the spot. I'm up for the task. (laughs) I think, I feel like you know this in your sleep. (laughs) So I think there, there's a few different aspects to think about in terms of what's most important or what you should consider for sure. With service-based businesses, I agree with everything you just said about where your leads coming from, how you get the referrals. And even if you're in a partnership, you know, looking at how much of the referrals are coming from one person versus the other person and how that may impact and what you want to consider with if you're going to, you had two people in a business and now you want to make up, you're having one person in the business, where might you need help or be overloaded? You know, you can only do, you can only bill so many hours in a day. So how do you balance that? How do you justify if you want to hire another person or bring someone on board as a contractor? So I think all of that data that you just explained helps service-based businesses for all of those different aspects. Um, In terms of other types of businesses, you know, I myself have a product-based business. So I look at data from, it's also leads, but in a different way, where are my leads coming from? Are they coming from different sales channels? Are they coming from referrals or social media somehow? You know, all of those different different aspects can show you where do you spend your time, again, your marketing dollars and everything else. They can all be, you might say, well, I got a lot of leads from referrals. I get a lot of leads from Instagram, you know, or some, you know, how do you decide where to run ads? All of that kind of goes into that data and what you're looking at, especially if you're looking to revamp or change anything. You want to really see what is happening first. What is your current state? Because you can't get to implementing something else until you know what's going on. So there's a whole model that goes behind it. I'm sure we'll get into it in other episodes. I feel like this, I feel like we need another episode on this. (laughs) We definitely do. (laughs) I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into this. And so I feel like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Stay tuned for another episode in the future on this. There you go. But Um, data is the first step. So it's it is the first step. Exactly. And that's what really drove me. I will say now I'm, I'm a month later, you know, there's still hiccups along the way. There's always stuff that pops up, but I'm cruising and it, it feels really good. And I, most of the things I was scared of never happened. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really funny that way. There's things that pop up that you're like, oh man, we got to deal with that or do that. I made some expenditures that, you know, I hadn't budgeted for just because I knew I wanted to make some other changes, but I was cool with that and I was ready to go and do that. I considered it an investment, but yeah, we're, I'm moving along and I'm now 
paying attention to all the metrics along with it. And so I feel like, I mean, my director of operations, Bree, is she's the one who does all of it. And she, without her, I, I mean, everything would fall apart. So there's a big shout out to Bree and a big thank you. But she really keeps track of all of it and she, she keeps me going. We want to hear from everybody in the HQ all about what change you're facing in your business and let us be your cheerleaders. Tell us if you have questions or if you want to know what data you should be collecting or all of that sexy stuff. <laughs> and thank you guys for listening and we will see you in two weeks. Thanks. And thanks, Jamie, for being so open and sharing so much with us today. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag-legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit thetransitionscollective.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.